Yo. Head up, think fast. You're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net. Oh, yeah. All us geeks, touch your bet. We round the world. We round the net. So get ready and get set. Because we make it look easy. No sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host. Yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east, to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys going to get you hooked. Don't stop now, just take a look And don't forget to sign our Facebook Cause what they doing is board games, video games Yeah, they on it, they fly like a comet Interviews is up, this podcast is pure Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure Geek out any topic, no one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it So if you wanna go and get it on Then head to allisgeeks.com And welcome to episode 67 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. I'm Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. Yawn. Your inner geek oh. is Alzheimer's. I've heard <laughs> Our inner geek is cold as shit. Heck yeah. Good lord. Gas line froze up this morning. Did it? Yeah. Nice. Had to go try to rescue my <laughs> wife from the donut shop. <laughs> There are worse. There are worse places that you have to go out to. I'm just saying. It's, there are. That story had a happy ending, my friend. No, it didn't. Like five or six, a dozen baker's dozen oh, happy ending of donut happy. Endings. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep keep it keep it clean for the moment. Why did did we make know. a resolution? I'm unaware of for the show. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> all right, let's see. General stuff. Of course, we are live streaming on Mixler, like we do with our main episodes now. So if you ever want to join us, uh, check out Mixler and search for All Us Geeks. Uh, you can also go to the AllUsGeeks.com website, and we have a link over to Mixler from there. If you actually subscribe and follow us on Mixler, it'll let you know when we go live. But Generally, that is every other Tuesday around 6 p.m. Central uh, when we're on track, which hopefully Give or take a month or two every now and then. Which hopefully, <laughs> hopefully now we can both. Well, I certainly have a lot of free time. Yeah, you, you I'm got, good to record whenever. Yeah, you, you, you went from having a ton of free time, and I went from oh, what, 12 hour days plus the two hour commute. Thank you, I, I enjoyed that very much. Please, sir. Yeah. Hey, I have another project. Well, I got one today. There you go. Plus dealing with your former bosses, <laughs> jackasses. The reason Every I wasn't one of too them. broken up when they laid me off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, since we've been gone for a while, of course, we do have the Patreon uh, account as well. You can go search us out as All Us Geeks over there if you would like to support us. That is always greatly appreciated. And, of course, as we go along here, you'll hear a few of the wonderful people that have supported us uh, as we get to each of these segments. The only other thing I think I was wanted to make sure we talked about was our new uh, five item rule. Uh, I guess now we, we, we made this decision last year, uh, towards the end of last year. Unfortunately, we didn't get to record since we made the decision. So now that we are back for the reading, watching and playing sections, now each of us are only going to bring five items to the table. Uh, this also includes, would you say those are our top five? No, I would not. Uh, I would never say that. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I've been waiting for like a month oh, and a half to I say that. I hate you so much right now. Uh, and then also I've, I've shared this, uh, with Don as well. So Don is trying to limit him to f- himself to five items as well when he comes on for each of these sections, which is 
been very difficult, but at the same time, a lot of times we have some overlap, and then the things that we really have some overlap, we usually have a conversation around. So, you know, uh, we've had a lot of people tell us that they don't want us to change anything, but then sometimes we're too long. I think we've gotten pretty good about shortening up a bit, but this will help us hopefully maybe keep that those sections a little more focused as well. Let's see. Since we're getting right into it and not doing geek news tonight, and uh, thank you for waiting me to start, but it was completely unnecessary. Yeah, Chris, we totally waited for you. <laughs> or... Uh, we tried to remember how to do this. One of the two. You don't disabuse him of the <laughs> notions that our listeners are important. Yes, our listeners are very important. <laughs> I'd wait for you, Chris. Since Mike's not here, <laughs> uh, the I only- got a Savage Worlds campaign to run. Yeah. I, I have to prepare. <laughs> since since Mike's not here, let's all play Shadowrun together, shall we? <laughs> He keeps bugging me to run a game. No, um, the only thing I, I really kind of had for news was the uh, sad news that we have that Royal Monster Battalion, the podcast and the website is, well, the website's still there until it expires, but the podcast is no more. Uh, the last one that they did was their Christmas episode. They were released around Christmas. Uh, Mike has decided to go on to other things and, and has decided that uh, the experiment for the podcast was a success, but he's taken it about as far as he wants to for right now. No, please do not go commando in honor of Mike. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? This Knock yourself yeah, out. This, is the this, isn't, this isn't a visual, so you do what you got to do. Now is not the time for Snapchat, though, <laughs> yeah. if you do. Yeah, this, this is not a, a Google Hangout, thank God. Um, so yeah, the Royal Monster Battalion is gone, of course. That means as far as Jordan and I are concerned, Mike has a ton of time to run that Ash versus Evil Dead podcast, uh, that he wanted to get going. Yeah. <laughs> or that he told us to, to start. It's about all I got there. You know, you brought up the, re- you know, we didn't get to do our end of year, beginning of year kind of stuff and, and we're not gonna, uh, really do that here. But is there any, anything you want to talk about? As far as like the, the new year or the podcast or anything like that before we kind of get into a couple games to review? Not really. No. Nope. No. All right. <laughs> Screw you guys. <laughs> See, Mixler isn't cooperating with John's phone, so he won't be able to listen to the show. Maybe it'll work on his Wi-Fi. Oh, that sucks. Hopefully it will. John. John's had a heck of a time. He tried to do some of the, uh, like when we did the, uh, live episode and he never, was able to get in with the chat that, you know, cause that whole beginning, how that fiasco went. Mm-hmm. So John's having a hard time doing us live. Skynet hates <laughs> you, John. Pretty much. <laughs> well, your name is John and it's Skynet. Hey. All right. So with that, I guess we'll just go to. Game reviews. Woo-hoo. And that is, that is plural. We are going to do two games this evening. And of course this. Segment is brought to you by Torin. Thank you very much, Torin, for supporting us over on Patreon. And because you do support us, we are able to continue the podcast and continue reviewing games. We are going to take a look at two games tonight. The first we are going to look at is Creative Clash, uh, Infantry LLC. The little bit of background on Creative Clash is this was a Kickstarter quite a while ago. It was successful, and it's been out for a while. Uh, I met these guys, uh, I I think I talked to them a little bit, roughly around the time they were doing the Kickstarter. Uh, We weren't able to do anything for them at that time. I met them at Gen Con, uh, and they were nice guys. I had some good conversation with them, and they gave us a copy of Creative Clash at Gen Con to review. 
So this is the final product. It's not, you know, we're not waiting on the Kickstarter. It's not a prototype. This is the, the version that you can get on sale right now, wherever they're selling it. I think overall, these guys, these guys are actually in, are in like, uh, like marketing and create and the creative ad agencies, stuff like that. So they're in that realm. They decided to make a game around it. When I was having conversations with them, it sounded like this was pretty much their only plan for now. You know, they may do some kind of expansions or something for it, but they weren't really actively seeking other games. There's going to be noises here too. I have my pager. I'm on call this week, the whole bit. So I brought a bunch of stuff downstairs with me that I don't normally bring downstairs with me unless I'm on call. So this is the only game that they have right now. But it's uh, a good one. It right. Well, Review done. Bury, Let's move bury on. the lead just a little <laughs> bit. So this is uh, primarily a card game. It's been a while since we played it. Now uh, it's only a card game. Yeah. No, there's a board. Right. There's a score score tracking board. But I mean, yeah, it's it's a card game with a score tracking board. Uh, so the object of the game is it's for two to five players, and you take on the role of a, a principal owner in a creative agency. And you have to hire employees and finish contracts or projects and buy awesome stuff and sabotage your competitors. And the uh, first to achieve the principal's ego goal, if you're able to achieve your ego goal on your turn, you win. So like that kind of alludes to, uh, there is, what do I want to say? There's, there's, uh, there's, I don't know where you're going. <laughs> Give me more of a sentence than there is. <laughs> no. Everybody's goal will be different. Yes, everybody's, everybody's principle end, end goal will be end goal value. Yeah, everybody's principle, which is your kind of like your avatar for this game, will have a different win condition. And they're not I don't think they're drastically far apart um that I, I remember. They range between 18 and 24. Yeah, something like that. Uh and then but then there's also like um, you have a special ability and or a hindrance depending on where you are in that range as well. So like I, if I remember it, like mine was on the lower end, but I could only cre- uh, complete one project a turn or something like that. Yeah, um, mine was on the higher end, but I got to complete each project with one fewer skill. That's kind of cool. I mean, so every time you play, if you if you kind of randomize who your principal is, which is what we did, uh, you will... Have a different win condition, so there's a slightly different win, and either again a benefit or a slight hindrance to play with. So you'll have a little bit of variability right there. You have the principal cards, which we just kind of talked about. That's you know who you are, what your ability is, and what your end goal is. There's employees that you can bring on. Most of the employees do not start with skills. Uh, most of them do not. Uh, there's the experts. Uh, these are the guys that actually kind of do start with skills. And then there's uh, a bunch of skills that you can attach to employees. I misspoke. My guys could finish with one fewer employee. Still needed all the skills. Right. But many of the projects will say a skill, a skill, and X number of employees. So I could finish with one fewer generic employee. Chris says he is now back. He filled up the truck and is back to listening. So uh, welcome back, Chris. Dude, I we, the cup. We are... Uh, Right now, reviewing and working on Creative Clash, so we're talking about that a little bit. So there are skill cards, which you'll attach to the employees, and then there are project cards, and these are the things that you're kind of completing as you go along, and they'll be worth various things. You might get money, you might get ego points, stuff like that, and each of the projects has a requirement on it. So it could be X number of skills that you need to complete it, or X number of employees, or a combination of the two, uh, that kind of thing. 
So you got to create and complete these projects. And then there's stuff, <laughs> which is awesome. So stuff is kind of one of your main ways to get ego points. You know, you're, you've created this agency. You've hired, started hiring employees. You're trying to build up your, your agency. You're completing these projects and you're bringing in cash. So you buy a bunch of this stuff to kind of feed your ego, if you will. Uh, and, and so that is one of the main ways to get points is by eventually being able to buy some of these stuff that is out there. Uh, then there are persons. Now these are different than employees. These kind of can give you specialty bonuses and stuff like that, but they're not considered employees. So you can't use them to complete a project that needs two employees. If you have two of these or one of these and one employee, that kind of thing, uh, unless it's special ability happens to give you something along that line. And then there are events. So events are just what you would consider in any card game. There are various events that come up. Some of them are play immediately uh, and, and uh, you know affect whoever they affect. <laughs> John is back. He said it was just the Wi-Fi, and he just called us nerds. We're geeks, sir. We're geeks. Learn the name of the show. It's in the game. It's in the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't make uh, me put my glasses up my nose at you. <laughs> uh, there are other events that you can kind of keep and play when you want to. And of course, those usually end up being nasty for your, your competitors, or it might give you a slight edge yourself. And like we said, the, the way you end the game is, of course, uh, completing your personal goal, your ego goal for your principal. And the play order is pretty simple. You collect income. So you look at your cards that you've got played and any of them have the income icon and, and whatever number it has in the income icon, you collect that income for that turn. You keep your income over turn. So if you don't spend it, you don't lose it. You can just kind of collect it and save up for bigger things. Uh, and then you draw two cards. You play any number of cards that you want. Again, putting down more employees and giving them skills and cl- completing projects, all that kind of stuff. Of course, as you're playing this stuff, it costs money. So you can play up until whatever you can afford, basically. Uh, and then you'll discard any number of cards and draw back up to five. And you continue doing that until somebody has reached their goal and wins. So that is the basis of Creative Clash. And let's go ahead and get into then the, the components. So uh, again, it's primarily a card game. It does come with a player board. Um, and you know, there's, uh, the, the money and well, that's all tracked on the boards. Yep. Um, your money, your ego. Yep. It's all, it's a, like a snake. Yeah. And, uh, it's got little, pay, uh, wooden markers for, right. for tracking that. Yeah. Uh, which actually were different. So it wasn't like they just did the cubes, right? Yeah. 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 So that was kind of interesting. So that was nice. I mean, they, you know, they could have just easily just done here some cubes for you and they actually did like shaped tokens. Uh, for those things. So in general, what did you th- think of the components for this one for a creative clash? Pretty solid. The cardboard is good. The, the tracking board is good. The art on the cards is enjoyable. It looks very much like, uh, I recall from my drafting class in high school, a lot of the stuff is <laughs> a little bit, you know, outlines and stuff like that, but good use of words that I haven't heard in a long, long time in a lot of the <laughs> cards. The, the fluff on the cards is yeah. actually pretty funny. Yeah, the componentry, very good. I agree. It, again, it's like I already kind of pointed out, they could have just gone with regular wooden cubes and they gave you actually shaped tokens to, to track the different things. The cards, again, are the primary part of this game. They're very good. 
very solid, shuffle well, had no problems with them. And again, the, the, the tracking boards are fine. I mean, there's nothing major, but at the same time, it does what it needs to do. Um, so component wise, uh, I was very pleased with this one. So creative clash mechanics. What do you think of the mechanics for creative clash? See, Chris, I'm trying to, re- I know we've been gone for a while, but I did remember that you wanted me to repeat the, the name of the games more often. So I, I said I would do it for each, uh, category we go over and I'm trying to do that, sir. <laughs> The mechanics for Creative Clash are good. <laughs> no, it's it's solid. It's um it's essentially an I go you go kind of game, and mm-hmm. the interaction is uh, limited to the events. And if you don't have any events, you're not going to necessarily interact as much as you want. But the events came up fairly regularly in, mm-hmm. out of that deck. It's a good mix of events and stuff and employees and skills. Everything is divided up. I don't know if it's equal. But it is uh, equal enough that the events came up enough that we had good interaction, uh, even though I could see games where the events might not be applicable at any given time. And maybe you have a less interactive game. But but still, uh, t- uh, mechanically, it, it works well. There's enough interaction. and But what you do on your turn is very simple. Draw, play, see if you win. And your opponent has a little interaction on your turn. Hopefully, if the distribution of cards is going well, and if you don't win, it's just rinse and repeat each player. Uh, mechanically, it's very simple, very sound, but not simple in a bad way. It's not like roll and move. Chris is asking, how did the cubes feel? I mean, it's... <laughs> uh, what? See, Wouldn't? we're getting into a fetish that <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. we don't want to do. <laughs> they're... At least not without a higher subscriber level on Patreon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just, they're, they're wood cubes. Oh, I totally forgot about the first player, the, yes, the first player the marker that is the throne. <laughs> um, no, they're, I mean, they're, they're just wood cubes, but I mean, they, they are not cubes. They're, they're, they're wood tokens. They're yeah. shaped. So the one is, I mean, the one is kind of like a trophy. And I think that's the one that tracks your ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a yellow trophy and it's wood. And then the other one is like a green bag of money to track your money. money. Um, so I mean, they're very nice. They're solid. They're, they're, they do really do the job again. And they're, they're much larger than a cube. Yes. You know, so you're, you're getting a, a decent sized token to track both your money and your ego. Their cubes grew three times that day. <laughs> All right. So yeah, uh, mechanics. And you know, one of the things we've kind of danced around, we've somewhat said it, but haven't outright said it. This is partially a take that game. Yes. Which so it already had a a place in our in our game queue. We did swear at each other a few times. We did. So that is a bonus. <laughs> Cuz you can steal employees, you can steal skills, you can even you know, so there's a lot of things kind of back Sabotage and forth project. Yeah, there's I mean you can take a, you can take an employee from another player, but you might have to pay them a little something for doing it. Uh, but there's, there's all, all of that kind of stuff. And we absolutely love that. And it came across really well in here. And I, I don't know if we kind of pointed out up front well enough, but I wasn't sure going in what to think of this game. I mean, it's, it's a game about a creative, you know, ha- running a creative agency that can go a lot of different ways, right? Real. And then when you learn that the people that made it, that's what they do for a living. That might take you like two more steps back in, in the caution zone, right? Like, oh, so you're not really, you know, you don't consider yourself full-time game designers like we're used to dealing with. You you work in a creative agency, 
You made a game about a creative agency. I see where this is going. Yeah, all right. We'll just <laughs> push this to the back of the game. <laughs> so we were pleasantly surprised when we got into the game that there were solid mechanics here that we enjoyed. And it it's very simple to pick up, very simple to learn. Well, we'll get into that here very soon. But Man, you're uh, always <laughs> jumping. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> who am I sucking? Oh, oh, Chris sucking up what? me. Gotcha. What? <laughs> so who am I... John said suck up, and then I just realized he was actually talking to Chris, not me. (laughs) So mechanically, this is a solid game that we enjoy, and it very much has that take that element. So that was that was cool for us. So now we will move on to the rules for Creative Clash. What did you think of the rules for Creative Clash? The rules are pretty solid. Looking at the book here, it is what do they count? Handful of pages, yeah. Yeah. So we're talking five, six, six, seven pages. pages. That includes. Excludes. Well, it should be cover. four, four or eight, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's an, it's well, it's increments of four. They <laughs> include the cover as a page, right? And sometimes not, but anyway. And it's, it's a well laid out book. It gives you examples of everything. It tells you what all the cards are and even the first player thrown. Um, <laughs> that, that, that is our, that is our component from this game. That is our lock and key component, right? That the, more the than offsets the lock and key useless yeah. first player marker. <laughs> the, <laughs> the that's, that's almost as good as the cheese, the hamburger we used. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, but the rules themselves are very straightforward. You have only a few things you do each turn. You check your money. You take your cards. You do what you're going to do. You check if you won. And that's all laid out and covered with good examples and good sidebars in the book and even with a few uh, variant. So the rules themselves, pretty easy to pick up and pretty. And now your dog is taking my cord. Yes, I, I know. The, the dog is. <laughs> and, and Megan is. Not, to add to everything else, I'm on call. We haven't done this in a while. And Megan is gone for the evening. So the dogs, you're going to hear them probably at some point. Or. Zoe is going to gas you out because she was gassy as hell last night while we were trying to do videos. Awesome. Megan and I almost had to leave the room and stop recording. I might just be disconnected depending (laughs) on how she moves. So for the sake of editing, the rules, the book itself is very good. It's well laid out. It's only eight pages or so. It covers everything. And the rules themselves with a limited number of things to do each turn. You take your money. You take your cards. You do what you're going to do. You see if you won. It's very easy to pick up. The rules are very well written for the few things that you do. Yeah, I completely agree. This this is one of those games you pick up, you read through the rule book once, and you're good. Because there is, uh, it, it is a more simple game as far as what you do each turn. And then from there, like like a lot of games, I mean, what you do each turn is pretty s- straightforward. From there, you take your cue off the cards. Mm-hmm. So everything else you need to know, you're reading on your cards as you're getting ready to play them. So we definitely didn't have any issues in that aspect. And if we did have to look up anything, and I don't remember really looking up a whole lot. I think the only thing we had to double check was whether the pros counted as yes. employees yes. or something like that. Right. Right. Yep. So, and, and we were able to find that really easily again. It's, it's a, it's not a huge jumbo book. It's a smaller rule book, about eight pages, very clearly laid out and designed. I will say the the one thing that there are a couple variants you can play by, and the one variant we played by is that we each started with a pro slash expert mm-hmm. uh, employee, and and, you, and I kind of like that. I, I like starting with the the one employee. All right, so 
teachability for Creative Clash. Almost any time you get the conversation we just had about a rule book, typically you get the same conversation about teachability, right? If the if the rule book is really that laid out well and clear and short and has a sim- simplistic kind of mechanical style leading up to it. It's like they had a designer and a writer working on this. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so teachability on this was very straightforward. Again, it's a, one read through rule book, maybe, you know, and then you skim through it a couple times. Again, we looked up, uh, what do we do for the variant? Cause we wanted to use it, things like that. Uh, and of course, usually anytime I first time, especially first time I'm playing a game, I'll open up the setup <laughs> and just make sure I'm, I'm doing the setup properly. So the teachability was very high on this. How did you feel about learning it? I agree. I had no desire to double check anything you said as we were playing. Um, you know, the book gave it all to you. That's how I lull you in. That's right. <laughs> oh no. And actually, Jordan, you lose because you didn't go double check page 23. <laughs> Ron Harper. Tom Harper did that to me. I will never let you forget it. <laughs> do you need, do you need to talk to somebody we, for we a were minutes, playing a game of, I think it was Belfort and. All the way through the game, I was wasting one of my act. As it turned out, I was wasting one of my actions keeping a gate. Because what he told me was, <laughs> uh, if one person owns half a gate, somebody else can't own the other half of the gate. The gates were broken over two game boards pieces. So I was wasting one of my turns, one of my actions every turn to keep a gate. And then right at the end, he's like, "Oh no, you didn't need to do that, <laughs> nice. you mother." <laughs> All right. So because we're going to talk about replayability here for Creative Clash. So because of the simplistic style and everything else, do you feel that there's some replayability in Creative Clash? Yes, but I would not rate it high. It is it's going to start, I think, with novelty because it really is a very different theme than anything we've played. And I think than anything that is out there on the market. I mean, there's a lot of themes, but. (laughs) I have never seen a marketing design company themed game. <laughs> so that's cool. And you've got the, your, you've got your avatars that you're playing and there's more, there's, there's enough of them that you could cycle through those a couple of times. I mean, it's two to five players. You can play a different victory condition, you know, go through a bunch of times, you know, and see how high points versus good powers or low points versus crap powers work for you. Mm-hmm. And there is enough variety in cards that you're not going to see everything in the first two or three plays, but I don't think there's quite enough depth to say that this is like a once a month game night game. Uh, I think the novelty for me will wear off. The novelty of the theme wears off pretty quickly. Uh, No, not pretty quickly, but fast enough. I mean, if we played this two or three times over the holidays, I think I'd have been cool with that because I like it. I enjoyed it. There's enough there to make it. Uh, still enjoyable three, four, five times. But then after that, since there's no expansions, you will have seen everything. And really you are, there's only one victory condition. How you get there varies a little bit by, by your, uh, your, your, your power and then how the cards you pull draw. Do you do it by getting stuff? Do you do it by completing projects, bonuses, stuff like that? There's not enough of variety in the victory conditions. So replayability, medium. I could see getting tired of this, putting it away, and then maybe breaking it out at a game night or, uh, you know, an all day game day where you're looking for something light to fill it up while you're waiting for other people who just want to take a break or you got a, 
the more popular game, you're just waiting for that one guy who's always like just the last player to finish their game. So replayability, it's there, but uh, only medium. Okay. Uh, before I get to mine, Chris is asking, how do we feel about it for a gateway game? I think it's an excellent gateway game. It's very straightforward. The rules are simple. So if you're taking it to somebody that's done nothing except like Hasbro and Milton Bradley, there's nothing here that you're going to have to break a habit of. It's very simple. And if you're going into somebody with just even just crazy eights that understands cards and, and a little bit of gotcha, I should say Uno cards and a little bit of gotcha, it'll be an easy learn. So great gateway game. I think so. Yes. Yeah. I think it makes a very good gateway game. Um, it is very simplistic and it's, it turns out, you know, there's not like this on a normal turn, you do this, this and this, except, you know, it's very much you do this, this and this. And like we said, your direction kind of from there goes, what are your cards telling you to do? What project are you trying to complete? Uh, those kind of things. So I think it lends itself very well to a gateway game and the fact that you're not going to have to over explain anything for this game. I don't feel so replayability for the most part. I, I agree with what you said. I don't know if I would get sick of it as much or as quick as maybe you would. Uh, but I don't necessarily like this isn't something that I would pull out every time, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset if somebody wanted to play it at a game night or anything like that. You know, even if we just got done playing it a time before, or this is something that I could see throwing in like a tub for a convention or something like that, where we do the open play area and somebody comes in and says, Hey, I only got X number of time. Mm -hmm. This would be a good one to kind of show them. Uh, so I, I think it's solid. And I did, like you said, the theme is really cool. And we're going to get to that in a minute, but we, or we'll, mash here but it's different it's unique from what we've played before like you said and at the same time it has that excellent fluff we talked about a little bit earlier that kind of makes you chuckle and kind of go along and we just game with a bear yeah <laughs> yes a bear named linus <laughs> and then and then there are those awesome games where jordan decides that he wants jared from subway and the pedophile bear working for him where else are you going to get that and i you don't think that was the intention of this game, but that's where we took it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I ate the intern. <laughs> so, I mean, so there, so there are some cool things going on here. I do, I mean, it's not something that I would make a focal point of a game night or want to play. I mean, I, I'd play it three to five times or something like that. I mean, if people wanted to play it, I'd be fine with it, but I'd want something else at, at a certain point for sure. I mean, box says 12 up. I don't recall anything on the fluff that was really requiring of that other than reading comprehension, but I think you could take that down. So it's, yeah. it's gateway for a variety of reasons. All right. So we talked about it a little bit, but the theme for creative clash, again, you're making the creative agency. Uh, it's quite a bit different than we've seen previously. We enjoyed that fresh look at a new theme. I, you know, in general, I'm not one of those people that says I've seen a theme too many times. I always try to judge by the game, but it is kind of nice to get something a little bit different every once in a while, especially if you actually end up enjoying it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so again, um, just quick thoughts again on theme for Creative Clash. Again, I agree. Uh, thematically, it works. Uh, the box looks like a drafting table, uh, you know, and there, there's a dude on the inside box brandishing, or, or no, it's on the rule book cover, brandishing a T-square at, at, a, at a lady. I think yeah, it's on the box. It's too. on the yep. box too. Okay. But the, the one thing that really, from a thematic standpoint, 
kind of puts it over the top for me is when we were looking at the pros, I kind of thought to myself, the art here is really a lot more defined than some of the other generic cards, which it was not bad in the generic cards, but they these I thought were people. So I quick Googled everybody on, yes. on the pros <laughs> cards, and these are all real design type people. So I don't know if the creators of this game knew all these people or they just reached out and said, hey, can I'm doing this. Can we throw you in? But all the pros are actual people. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. So we were kind of having a learning session. <laughs> like, hey, this is a real person. Here's what this person has done <laughs> as we went along. All right. So then, of course, we wrap up with fun factor slash overall for Creative Clash. What do you got, sir? I think the fun factor is is pretty high because it's not a brain drain. It's not going to be a grinder. It's a good, casual, and yet fun game. This is something you could probably play back to back a couple times in one in in one session, and you you won't feel bad about it later. You won't regret that second game. It is genuinely fun, but like I said, for me personally, low replayability. I'm not going to stop playing it because it suddenly is a bad game or an unfun game. Mm-hmm. Just uh, wears itself out. I think for for me, a little faster than other people. Yeah, <laughs> Nikki just popped in, Mike. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, change this just a little bit. Mike, formerly from Royal Monster Battalion, <laughs> is at dinner with me and told me he wants to listen, so he's on my phone listening. Well, hello, Nikki. Hello, Mike. Uh, it's always good to have you guys around. All right. So, fun factor slash overall for Creative Clash for me. I agree. I I had a lot of fun with this game. Uh, again, it has, it, it kind of had an early start with us just from when we started realizing the take that elements. So we thoroughly enjoyed it, especially from that point on, uh, because we were like, ooh, so I can make you swear. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Where are more of those cards at? <laughs> and it, it does play really well. It does have that kind of, uh, unique theme, like we, like we said, and it's a solid gateway game. I could see me playing this with Megan, and I think she would enjoy this too, because it's primarily a card game. She likes card games. So I think this is a, a pretty solid game, and again, the one that kind of surprised us from where it was coming from, and I think they did an awesome job for wanting to turn around and create a game about the... Their industry. Yeah, their industry yeah. for where they work. So I thought that was really well done. Again, real quick. This is Creative Clash, and it is, we're looking at the final version. So this was kickstarted quite a while ago, very successfully. You can go out to creativeclashgame.com if you want to check out more information about it. Uh, but it is definitely something we think you should at least check out and, and see if it's something that might fit in with uh, your game style. All right. So now we're going to review another game. That's right, two, two games. Setting the bar high for 2016. <laughs> two games. So it's only going to go down from here. So we're going to take a look at Splendor from Asmodee. Splendor, uh, you've probably heard quite a bit about it. It had a big splash last year for sure. We kind of held off on it, or at least I did. I'm always kind of leery, especially if something gets that hype that quick. This won the Golden Geek Award for 2014. Jeff is a hipster. I am not a hipster. Well, I'm like the farthest thing from a hipster. But you know, every once in a while you kind of get those games that get like super hype, but and then ahead of winter. I, I've already argued that at least once today, so <laughs> I I will stop that conversation right now. 
But I, I found it was on sale somewhere. I think it was like super cheap. So I finally picked it up and then you and I decided to kind of play it the same night we played Creative Clash and we thought that we actually, you know, spoiler alert, we actually had fun with it. <laughs> so we thought, you know, let's, let's tack it on. They're both pretty, pretty short games that we can go over pretty quick. In Splendor, you're taking on the role of a merchant during the Renaissance and you're trying to use your resources to acquire mines and uh, transportation and artisans, and then you're taking gems to turn them into jewels, and then you're trying to also attract what are they called again? Is nobles. it patrons or is it uh, nobles? Nobles, nobles, yeah. And you're trying to attract nobles to uh, to you, which will give you extra points. And this is a game that uh, has for component wise, it's got a bunch of cards in it. It has some some tiles in it, which are what the nobles are on. And it has poker chips with the uh, pictures of the gems on them. And uh, we'll, we'll get into the, what we think of those in a little bit. And when you're playing the game, you, you lay, you know, it's just kind of like grid style. You lay out a certain number of cards and it's, it's kind of, that's your, your purchase area. So you can purchase what's face up if you can afford it. If you can't, you start grabbing gems to kind of start hoping that you can afford something <laughs> at some point. Uh, you can only have like 10 gems at a time, 10 of the, the actual poker chip gems at a time or something like that. Something like that. Um, I never ran into the cap, so. Yeah, see, uh, we'll get into this later, but I've been playing the app a lot, so I run into it on the app all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then depending on what, if you do challenges or something, they actually lower the cap and stuff. The interesting kind of thing about the, the gem side of things is that there's a limited number of them. So there's a limited number of the poker chips that you can get. Um, so once, depending on how many players you have going, I mean, once they start going away, once the red gems are gone, you can't do anything with red gems until the more get out back out there. Somebody spends them and puts them back out. Now that sucks if that happens early, but what you can do is you can actually buy cards that you convert to, like I said, kind of convert to jewels or gems. So you can buy a card that if you own it, you now have a red gem. So you always have a red gem. So basically it, it goes towards kind of like discounting the purchase of your next card if it needs a red gem. So you kind of collect these cards and start collecting gems that you permanently have so that maybe you either have to rely less on the actual gems or you still collect them to get the bigger payouts, if you will. So something might need, you know, there might only be five gems on the side, five blue gems on the side, but some of the cards that actually are worth more prestige points might need seven or eight, you know, something like six or seven gems. So the only way you're going to get that is to first collect a bunch of the blue gems that you permanently have and then add on. Or just be a dick and hoard all of one color. <laughs> well, you still won't afford it if you <laughs> defense. Cause like, um, but then you also take cards for wilds. Yes. That's another. Mechanic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There are some wilds as well. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, so what you can do on your turn is you can take gems. There's two ways you can take gems. If there are at least when you're, I think it's when you're done, if there's at least two left, right? Or something like that. Uh, you can take two of one color as long as you basically don't deplete it. No, that's if the stack is full based on the number of players. If the stack is full, you can take two of one. It's, it's, I thought it was a, not, stack. well, not, it's, it's as long as there's, there's two or more left or something like that. 
It, it doesn't have to necessarily be full because okay. even on the app, like when I play full players, mm-hmm. you can do it if there's four left so okay. that there's always just two left. So you can take two of one color as, basically, as, you know, in a general sense, as long as you're not depleting the stack. It, mm-hmm. I think you have to at least have two left behind is how that goes. Okay. Or you can take three gems, but they all have to be from different stacks. So you can take one blue, one black, one white. And then, uh, like Jordan said earlier, you can take a card to reserve it. So one of the cards you might not be able to purchase now, but you don't want anybody else to purchase it, you can take that and you'll get a wild. Uh, you'll get a wild gem that you can use for any color. Now you're the only person that can buy that card, but you can't get rid of that card until you buy it. Um, and you can only have three wilds, so three cards in reserve. And then you can buy a card. So if you have the gems that necessary to buy a card, you can buy the card. So you basically continue to do this until, what is it? Is it 15? 15. 15, yeah, because, again, playing the app, it changes all the time. Yeah. Uh, so and you keep doing this until somebody reaches 15 prestige points, and then you basically finish the round. So whoever still hasn't gone gets to gets to go and see if they can catch catch you or have more than more points than the person that went out at 15. Uh, so off to the side while we're doing all this stuff. Hey, Megan must be home. <laughs> there goes the dogs. Um, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Cause I'm- <laughs> we, we, you have these nobles off to the side and they're randomized and they're worth a certain amount of prestige points. And if you're the first person to be able to attract them, uh, you'll get those prestige points. And you attract them by things like one of them might say you need to have three blue, three white, and three green. If you're the first person to, to have three of those, and we're by those we're talking about the bonus, the permanent ones that you have, not the not actual the gem tokens. tokens. So you have to have a permanent three, three, and three, and then that noble will visit you and give you their prestige points. And then, and it's the first person that gets it gets it, and nobody else can then have that noble. So you add your points by kind of swaying that noble over to your side with all your shinies. <laughs> so. That's pretty much how you play the game. You, you've got those options. That's not how you spell Megan, by the way, and she hates that. <laughs> Lose the H. <laughs> so you have those options. You use those options. You buy cards to give yourself permanent gems that you can use to, and then you start kind of generating this engine of buying power so that you can buy the larger gems and things that are actually have prestige points on them. Uh, and then you, as you're doing that, you also try to sway the nobles over to your side and basically get that 15 points. <laughs> it's, it's all right, man. <laughs> He's apologizing for spelling Megan wrong. You should. <laughs> you should. It's all right. We won't tell her this time. Two or three years when she hears this podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, she's not on it. She'll never hear it. <laughs> she still hasn't heard all the ones she's on. I don't think. All right. So components for splendor. Go, sir. Very nice poker chips. Very beautiful cardboard. And a little bit more cardboard, just smaller. <laughs> uh, it is essentially just the poker chips and the cards. Uh, there are cards for the three levels of mines. I guess that's one thing we should point out. There's three tiers of mines. The first tier generally don't give victory points. Mm-hmm. It's just there to start your economy. The second point, little, the second tier, a little bit more expensive. Sometimes give you some victory points. Third tier always gives you victory points and much more expensive. So there's very beautiful artwork on the mine cards. 
And then the Nobles, also very nice, though smaller. And the poker chips are excellent weight, very nice. And the stickers on them for the various gems that they represent, pretty nice as well. Yeah, they did. I mean, that's one of the things that everybody always kind of talked about with this game. And that's another one of those things that kind of made me wait on it, right? I mean, when the, when the most you kind of hear about the game, <laughs> it's the components. It's <laughs> I mean, there's all this hype. And then uh, the, the follow up is, yeah, but those poker chips, man. It's like, okay, well, what about, what about the gameplay? <laughs> but those poker chips. Is this the board game <laughs> equivalent of Avatar? <laughs> oh, that was not cool at all. Um, so yeah, it, component wise this is a very beautiful game. I mean, the artwork, they, they did a really good job on the artwork. It's very colorful and bold and striking and, and they do kind of like the, the full image, you know, they take it, they, they do the full bleed on the cards and all that kind of stuff. So they did a really good job on the artwork and the components and definitely no complaints there. They, they went above and beyond what you would maybe think of for a game like this. So mechanics. For Splendor, what do you think? They're pretty simple and thus pretty solid. Again, as with Creative Clash, simplicity does not equal bad in this case. You have a limited number of things to do. Uh, you do one thing, essentially, each turn. And th- there's no gray area in in your choices. You're either going to take some coins, you're going to take a few more coins, you're going to buy a card, or you're going to hoard a card. It's Each one is laid out in the book. Mechanically, it's all very sound. Yeah, it's again until you forget to keep track of what you've actually accomplished and realize <laughs> you could have won the game two turns ago if you'd been paying attention to the nobles, but instead your wife beats you. Again, do you need a moment to, to talk, <laughs> or you're in a safe space if you, if you need a moment? <laughs> yeah, it, like I said, kind of that spending engine building. I wouldn't quite call it set collecting, but you, it, it is kind of set collecting because that's part of building your engine. I mean. You want, you know, if you start seeing up top, look, that that seven-point prestige card up there is a seven white, I kind of want to start building up some white. Or if you start looking at the nobles and, hey, that, you know, all the nobles are are worth three points. All the nobles are worth three points, but some of them are harder to achieve. But some of them are harder to get. So, I mean, there's there's that. So you kind of look at where you're kind of going and going, oh, do I want to do the three, three, and three, or do I want to do the four and the four? You know, that kind of thing. And so there is that set collection aspect to it because it's part of building that spending engine. And it really is focused primarily around building that spending engine. I mean, yeah, the more you have in a color, the less you need to rely on the chips. Right. And I felt really comfortable by the time I got to around the 10 card, the, the 10 mine uh, limit. I I thought that uh, I was starting to rely on the chips less, and I was able to kind of pick the cards that I wanted to to keep to play later, and also to get the wilds. But at that point, I had like five whites, and then a smattering of a few other things. I had just enough that with my wilds and only occasionally taking a turn for chips, I was able to keep going in a fairly consistent manner. So I think uh, the the it, it like you say, it's economy building, and but it's it's not. Um, it's not like grind economy building. It's it's very simple and uh, right, it's and almost it go- pleasant. Right, and it goes quick. I yeah. mean, it, it goes very quick, and your you know early on turns go pretty quick as well. I mean, it's really starting off. Your your big decision is: are you taking two or three? Or three. Yeah. In the very early, right, and then from there you're kind of going, okay, am I? What am I going for? And, and the, I mean, you, you should 
be looking at that from turn one. But even that can kind of switch. You know, it's like I, I know the app does it to me all the time. And again, I'll, I'll talk about the app uh, a bit more when we get into playing because that's one of the things I have been playing. Uh, but even when you're playing against other people, right, you, you could be focused on getting a certain something and that could disappear by the time it gets back to you because mm-hmm. you're only allowed to buy one card no matter if you can afford more or not. Uh, and you're only allowed one action of some type. So, and, and I think when games do stuff like that, that helps to kind of keep things moving along in a nice quick pace, right? It's like, yep. I can do one thing. Now it's your turn to do one thing. Now it's my turn to do one thing, right? So, um, yeah, AP is low on this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, the, the most I think I've ever had is if I had an option, which way I wanted to go for a certain card to give me the permanent gem. Do I want, do I need another blue right now or should I go for the black? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and even that's usually a fairly quick decision that mm-hmm. you kind of make. All right. So the rules for Splendor. If we said that the, uh, the creative clash rule book was small, this, this is, this is, two, this is three pages. Um, <laughs> four if you include the cover. So, uh, and again, not a jumbo rule book either. This is a, v- a very small rule book. So everything is, really condensed everything is very clear and concise uh what you need to do and again the gameplay is pretty simplistic that you don't need a lot and you're not necessarily going back to the rule book so the big thing that you're going to the rule book for maybe some setup especially if you're playing different numbers of yeah, players the setup varies by number of players. and that's about it yeah <laughs> so um anything you want to add about the rules dead easy there you go teachability for splendor go dead easy all right. So uh, we're trying to make this a short review, just like the game. No, no, I, I agree. I mean, again, it's we talked about the simplicity of play. We talked about the simplicity of the rule book following the same formula we talked about in Creative Clash. Simplicity to teach. You've got X number of options and you do one of them. So maybe uh, depending on how new the person is, you might have to explain those options a couple times. To, to, for them to get used to it. I, I know I taught Megan on the app from pass and play. And again, couple, I mean, she picked up on it really easy, really quick as well. So I think teachability on this one is very high. So replayability for Splendor, sir. I think pretty high. It's an attractive game to look at. It is a very easy game. It's enjoyable to look at the cards, to do a bit of planning. It's not confrontational, but there is enough going on that you kind of do have to pay attention to what everybody's doing. Because if the guy right after you takes your card that you were just saving up for, then you have to look around and see what you can do. Like you said, sometimes you do tunnel vision a little bit, even though you should be looking at all the, you know, the whole tableau. You know, sometimes you you, you zoom in a little bit. So you do have to pay attention to a little bit, you know, you know so it's not 100% social. You're not going to sit back and suddenly talk for five minutes over <laughs> something that this that, that your move just reminded you of. Oh, I bought that black gem. That reminds me of that. That's never going to happen. <laughs> but the replayability is that it's just a solid game. This is it. it, it there's no downside to this game unless you, like, absolutely hate beautiful games or you don't <laughs> like card games about gems or maybe you hate nobles you know maybe (laughs) maybe you just hate the concept of nobility so this is definitely not the game for you but replayability i think is high because it's enjoyable with just enough requirement to pay attention but not actually be a brain drain 
and it, and it's pretty to look at. I'm never going to see this on the table and go, oh, why are they playing this? That is the <laughs> ugliest game ever. No. Uh, replayability high for a variety of reasons. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting, right? Because you talked about how the replayability for Creative Clash might be in the medium realm or whatever, but there's a lot more variety of cards mm-hmm. in that versus something like this, again, with the same or even more simplistic style. I don't know if I'd say more simplistic because I think Creative Clash is this is you do this, this, and this, where this is here's your options of what you can do, uh, but you only do one thing. But there's not like... You know, there, there's not like this big gotcha moment in, in this game. There's not this big, oh, that card came out kind of thing, really, right? I mean, you know, sure, the, the top tier of the mine has some nice prestige points, but it's going to take you a while to climb that anyway. Yep. So it's not like you're like, oh, next turn, unless you've already been playing for a while. Yeah. There's not a lot here that you would think, if you're looking at this game, that would make it replayable, but the fact that it, how it looks and and how it plays and the fact that this is something I think, again, if we go back to Chris asking us about Creative Clash as a gateway game, this is definitely a gateway game as well mm-hmm. with just some really, really beautiful components, art and everything else. And I can play this game a lot. Uh, I have been playing this game a lot. And I agree. And I know some people have kind of, how do you have time to replay any game? <laughs> well, because there's an app. Yeah. Well, for this, there happens to be an app. Uh, but every once in a while, Jordan, when we're, when we're reviewing, if we have time, we'll go, can we play something else <laughs> that we haven't played in a while? But I think, I think this is a, a great game. Uh, and it, it is definitely replayable. So theme for Splendor. I mean, it's light. It is silk on the wind light. It is in theory, like you said, managing minds and attracting nobles. Uh, There's nothing there that says this is actually what you're doing. It is based solely on the fact that there is a gem on every card. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Theme is extremely light, but it's there. You don't pine for it, but you don't hate it. You know, it's the theme that they fit, that they chose and then carried out in the art works very well. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it's not like, Yes, I am mining and yes, I have nobles. You know, it's, it's abstract to the theme. It's not an abstract game really, but it's abstract to the theme somewhat. But the theme helps make everything else we've talked about that much better because the art basically, as far as I'm concerned, it comes down to, and, and the way they decided to use the art. Like I said, I really love, I love anytime a game does that full bleed art. Um, and does it well. And yeah. I think they did it really well where the other information, which is not a lot, which is good for this game, uh, and for the art is, but the other information doesn't clash with the full bleed art or get in the way or anything like that. So all of those things I, I think work really well. Yeah. If you're looking for an immersive theme here <laughs> and if, if you're looking to, to leave this game feeling like you've been in the mine, <laughs> well, first of all, we may have to have a conversation with you. I don't know why you want to feel like you've been in the mine all day, uh, but you're not getting that here. But that shouldn't de- detract you from this game at all. All right, so we Only are the at nobles. Huh? Only the nobles. Only the nobles. So we are at fun factor slash overall for Splendor. Overall, I think it's a solid game. It is fun. I'm going to say that. This is not, you know, a 10 
because you can only have one pen. And I think I gave that out two years ago. <laughs> but uh, it's a solid, enjoyable game. Never gets old. Doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> He's not even on the show anymore, but I'm not going to let it go. It's a solid, enjoyable game. If this is a game that came, people wanted to play, you know, a couple times a month at a game night, I would definitely not have any problems with that. This is just a solid, beautiful, simple game. All right, so there you go. Those are our thoughts on Splendor, again, from Asmodee. And this is, of course, a full retail game. Uh, you can get it pretty much at any game store at this point and, and online. But, yeah, I mean, I will close out with I wasn't sure if I was going to like this game in general just because, again, because of the hype and everything else and, and so much of the conversation I heard afterwards was about the components but when it went on sale, I decided to take a chance, or a lot of people did like it, and I'm glad I did. This is a very enjoyable game, and this is another one of those games that really surprised me. And it's one of those games that Megan really likes as well. So, and, and I can hopefully maybe tie. And again, there's a, there's an app, and I'll talk about that when we get into playing. So definitely check this out if it sounds interesting to you. And you have not. You're one of the few people like us <laughs> that had not played it up until recently. <laughs> Breaking news for the 2014 Game of the Year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're finally hip. <laughs> it's like my car. <laughs> it's like, I'll get another one when, when the years have gone by. What we're watching. Sponsored by Stephanie M. Thank you very much, Stephanie, for... Uh, contributing to our Patreon account and allowing us to continue to do the podcast. And Stephanie, this is, this is actually, uh, fitting. She's, she's sponsoring the watching because she's doing a podcast of her own now for Gotham. Mm -hmm. So. Got him. <laughs> stop it. No. All right. You go, I it go. Will always be got him. You go, I go what? I'll go because I right. only have two things. What? It's been the holiday. It's supposed so. to, you're supposed to have five. Well, you didn't say it had to <laughs> no, be five. You just I said know. it maxed out at five. I will think up three things. <laughs> I had the most disappointing moment on my Hulu the other day, though. Not Hulu. Uh, my Kindle Fire. No, my Fire TV. It said HGTV is finally available. So I loaded it. Then I fired it up. And it's tied to your cable account. Well, <laughs> screw you, HGTV slash Kindle uh, slash Amazon slash you lying bastards. <laughs> All right. Is, uh, it H is HGTV on Sling? You, you don't have Sling? I don't have Sling. Yeah. I think it's on Sling because I think Megan watches yeah, it on there. I think it's on Sling and Roku, but Hulu has 95% of everything we yeah. want. So I'm not that worried. It's just that like, ooh, it's Christmas. Oh, it's not Christmas. <laughs> it's actually just a kick in the balls. <laughs> it has been Christmas and the holidays and various uh, seasonal festivities through December. So I haven't really been watching much because there hasn't been much on. Everything's been on the hiatus, at least most of the stuff that I watch. But uh Shinar Chronicles has started, as has The Expanse. I don't know if uh you got a satisfying answer to whether The Expanse gets better or not. <laughs> I thought it was excellent right out the gate, and I think the first five apps have been really good. And well, since you're there, because okay. that's on my list, too. <laughs> go, go for it. <laughs> yeah, okay. First of all, Chris, you are very late. Um, Actually, I have I have not watched The 100. But you're, yeah, you're, you're late, you're late binge watching 4400. <laughs> oh, 4400. Like, were we into the 2010s <laughs> at that point? And yes, Jessica Jones, we, which I did not put on my list because we're, uh, November <laughs> and, and we're limited to five now. Um, but the expanse, I did, like you said, I, I posted online, does this get better after the first one? Cause for me, that first episode was very painful to watch. 
Especially um, whenever Thomas Jane took his hat off. <laughs> that's still painful to watch. <laughs> so that tells you I am still watching it. Because <laughs> the episode the other night was that. It was like, get a haircut. <laughs> but I had a hard time with that first episode, very much so. And to the point where, like I said online, I, I almost didn't go back. And I usually give at least three to six episodes for anything I'm gonna, I've decided I'm going to watch. I eventually did go back. Some people are saying it's better. They like it better than Battlestar Galactica. Some people are saying they like it better than Defiance. I don't know if I'm there, but I am enjoying it. And I do think it did get better. It, it's got me at least enough that I want to see it through this, at least this season. But I, I am enjoying it quite a bit more now. But that first episode almost lost me. And that, it, was, I, it was hard for me. I enjoyed it right out the gate. But that's because I read the books. And for the most part, I enjoyed all of them as well. The, uh, other than Holden, I thought all the characterizations were, pre- all the castings, I should say, were very good. Holden, you know, like they allude to in the TV shows, as in the book, he's like farm Montana. So I pictured kind of a kind of bigger, more corn fed dude, <laughs> you know, rather than spindly. I may, and maybe he's not spindly, but compared to Amos, he's small. So he's, he's, but they all work. And like I said, right out the gate, I liked it. They're contracting some timelines, like Avasarala. She's not introduced to the second book, but you've got to compact a book. So I accept that, especially a series of five books, if they think they're going to be that successful. Glad to see uh, what's his name from The Walking Dead is surviving. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I really liked uh, the battle with the Donager, the Martian, the Martian dreadnought. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, are you all the way caught up? Yes, I am. So I think in fact, it's I solid. I think I watched the most recent one last night, finally. Okay. So I, I think it's solid, start to finish. Better than Defiance? Don't think so. As good as Galactica? Definitely. Because it's a different show. Mm-hmm. It's just as good because it's not Galactica. Galactica wanted to do something else. This is not going to be the end. Of, well, it's not going to be an <laughs> possible spoiler. It's not about the end of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> and the robot uprising. Hey, um, Mike's on is his, his own name now. Hey, hey Mike. your own Mike. <laughs> uh, so I'm enjoying it. And like I said, the Shinar Chronicles started last week or two weeks ago. Last week? Yeah, they've started. And it's not the same timeline as the books. It is taking from all of the Shinara history. So like I think in Sword, the elves were dead. The The Battle of the Four Races mm-hmm. were, well, not dead, but the Battle of the Four Races had happened and all the sub-races were for the most part marginalized but in in the chronicles the elves are still mighty and powerful so far (laughs) after three eps that's already in question but uh they don't know how to dress i'm just gonna throw that out there elven (laughs) fashion is pretty questionable you might want to get mr blackwell in there they've thrown enough of the names from the books in there that there is definitely a shinar feel to it if only in the names but alanon is there played by manu bennett who is really different than I got Alanon in the books. Yeah. Alanon was always kind of a Raceland character to my mind. Mm-hmm. Always old, lots of power, but just neither the will nor the constitution to use it unless you absolutely had to, because of course he was the last of the druids, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you've got Deathstroke. <laughs> Deathstroke <laughs> druid. So it's different than I pictured him, but I mean, it works well enough. 
I guess, yeah, two, three ups, whatever that. Well, the first one was two hours. So two or three ups in, I'm enjoying it. And that's, that's the highlight of what I'm It's on my list. I haven't started it yet. Yeah. So, I mean, it's on my list to watch, not on my list to talk about tonight. <laughs> it's on my list, but I haven't watched it. <laughs> why is it on your list? Exactly. Mike says he really wants to see it as well, but he's going to wait for the full season. Chris said for Anime Don, he's apparently watching Sword Art Online and Attack on Titan. Sword Art <laughs> Online. Excellent stuff. <laughs> Crappy ending for the first season. Oh, second season is even worse. I, 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 I didn't even season. go for that. Well, I haven't, I haven't yet. It's not like I'm actively a- avoiding it. You can. There's it's just so many other things to watch right now. And second season is the end of that end of season one kind of really bothered me, <laughs> but I loved it up until that. <laughs> so play Russian roulette with it and decide which episode you want to stop with. When you get to episode 11, <laughs> make a life choice. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's see. Um, we talked about the expanse, Ash versus Evil Dead. Of course, we got. I mean, that show was amazing. It was start to finish. So much great. exactly, so much better than it had any reason to be. <laughs> I, you know, when going, they announced that it was just going to be thirty minutes, I was like, "What are you doing?" That was thirty perfect. minutes, but it was perfect. And so now, as soon as. Uh, Mike gets his podcast out for Ash versus Evil Dead. Well, we can hear more about that from him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, when they first announced it, I mean, not only that, but if you remember when they first announced it, that was when they were announcing like the remake. Mm-hmm. And then, but we're also going to have these movies that are the original people versus the remakes. And then we're going to have a TV show. It was all that whole jumble in there. And you just kind of went, wow, is this going to be a train wreck? Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, we all love Bruce, but it's been a little while, so you didn't know what to expect. And from episode one, from the first few minutes, all the way through to the end of the show, just perfect. See, um, I stopped watching Burn Notice somewhere around the middle of the third season or so when Bruce was about Bruce and a half. <laughs> so when this came on, I was like, okay, I'm not one to body shame or say anything, but... You have yeah, I got image, no words. You have an image of Ash, right? And it's not how Bruce Campbell looked mm-hmm. in the early part of Bird Notice. So <laughs> I was glad to see for as much as he could, dude's got to be 50. It's hard to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to see he, is, uh, he, he got back to kind of movie Ash and not Bird Notice Ash. Mike says he's ready to do the podcast as soon as you're, you are. Hey, dude, I, I'll do the <laughs> editing. I already told you that. Leave my chubby Bruce alone. It's just more of him to love. <laughs> I don't care what you call your chubby dude. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I I kind of went with some things that not necessarily new, but new to me. Um, so we talked about those two. I am still kind of watching Supergirl, but it's not high on my list. It's okay. It's I one mean, of those that we get to when we get to. Yeah. It's, it, it, I don't have major complaints with it, but it, yeah, it's really not. Well, my biggest Huge complaint is the same one that I have with Green Arrow. It's too bad that this is a Superman story. <laughs> oh, there's that, yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. Especially early on. Supergirl had some very good arcs, some very good runs, but start to finish as a character, some of her best stories are unfortunately either in the Silver or in the Modern Age with the Legion. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to yep. do Supergirl in the Legion of Superheroes, right. unfortunately. But it was cool to see Martian Manhunter. That was a really pleasant surprise. Even <laughs> jaded Jordan was like, oh, okay. So they're not actually going to make him into Metallo. That's cool. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, recently, I've been watching American Horror Story Hotel. So I started watching that, and I think I'm caught up with that now. 
I enjoy that. I enjoy it. I know there's like going to be one more season, I think. But I've been enjoying that one. It's pretty decent. It's the one with Lady Gaga. <laughs> but I've enjoyed that series uh, for the most part. I mean, it had a couple weak seasons, but this is a, to me is a pretty decent season. And I put this one on the list just for you. We finally started power watching The Shield. Ah, yes. <laughs> so uh, we we finally, I think, um, we're three or four discs. In. I mean, we're still we're we're in season one still, but we we started it. We're at least three or four discs in, so it's got to be close to done with the first season. We'll be hitting the second season soon. First half of the first season, I was like, <laughs> this is just a cop drama, only with a little bit of swearing. But then. <laughs> It ends on a really high, high note, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, you know, my my whole thing with it is I'm enjoying it, and I'm not, like, upset we're watching it or anything, but I just keep watching it and going, how did anybody relate to this show? There, Especially- This is a show that, <laughs> you know, if our listeners ever actually listen to what I say, this is a show that people should be totally surprised that I like, because <laughs> there is not a single likable person on this show. Starts out with four cops that get dirty really, really quick. Yeah. And then spend the next four and a half seasons trying not to get busted. And everybody around <laughs> them, except uh CCH Pounder, is, if not dirty, then just a dick. There's only <laughs> one noble character in this whole show, CCH Pounder, and she is excellent, even though underused for most of the series. And this is generally not the TV I like. But it's really, really good. It's like, it's, it's not comedy of errors, but it kind of is. Cause no matter what <laughs> they do, there, there's always blowback. Might not be that season, mm-hmm. but there's always blow. They think they're free and clear and they can go be good cops again, but no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it was just engrossing. And the fact that it was FX and it was like 13 eps every season, tight 13 eps, no bloat. Every se- every app counted for something. Almost every app, every season. It was really tight storytelling. You'd have one or two apps that was like ramp and then boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it. so we're enjoying it so far. Putting the Vic in victim. <laughs> what we're reading slash listening to. Sponsored by Aaron G., one of our Patreon supporters. Thank you very much, Aaron, for supporting us and allowing us to talk about what we're reading and listening to. You want to go? You want me to go? You go. All right. I've got, I've got three. So do I. <laughs> ah, and, and mine are barely three. <laughs> I am going to purchase this and probably read the series right now. The only thing I read of it, my lines for the audio drama. <laughs> Uh, but I'm, I've been asked to reprise my role as Fortress Maximus for the uh, audio drama for the comic Transformers Last Stand of the Wreckers. So I get to find out why I started off so angry in the last series that I did, cause this is the prequel to that. Uh, so I already kind of looked on Comixology. They've got a nice collection of it. And that helped me last time too, as I started looking through to kind of see what was going on around the characters and stuff. So I'm going to probably start reading that here really quick. But so far, it's just been the script that I need to do because I have to have my lines in by February so I can be released for the audio drama. Besides that, I've been doing a lot of voiceover seminars and panels, just kind of some extra education for myself. And, of course, rule books. Wonderful, wonderful rule books. That's sadly my existence in reading and listening besides other podcasts. (laughs) I read the book. I joined a 
Slack book club and, uh, really nobody's talking. So that was kind of a, waste. so it's in the name. Yes. <laughs> literally. But the first book we read was weighing shadows and, uh, I will not recommend it. <laughs> I, I gave it two stars on Goodreads just because I have yet to be published. So that makes it at least <laughs> one star better than anything that I've put out, <laughs> which is nothing. It's a pseudo time travel story with a conspiracy theory, but it's not really. I mean, that is just window dressing to uh, a broken girl story. And I don't mind a broken person story every now and then, because as long as it's done well and there is some kind of fulfillment or resolution, those can be good. You know, an actual character book. But this was not. This was not that. So don't read it. Wing Shadows, don't read it. <laughs> right now on the phone, I'm listening to Mark of Coban. I read the first, listened to the first two books last year. So the Coban series for me still holding up strong. Reading, actual Kindle reading, since I got a Kindle for Christmas. My Kindle died last year in like October. And I'm like, well, I can't buy myself a Kindle because Christmas is coming and my birthday. So. Wife got me a Kindle, so now I'm actually holding books again, kind of. Android Freefall. So it's a set in the Android verse. Freefall is the title in the Android verse. Uh, typical Android stuff. Lots of talk of Jinteki and Hospiroid, and there's a murder. And it might have been a Byroid. It might have been a clone. Might have a human, a human. We don't know yet. It's enjoyable. I'm, uh, 32% way through. <laughs> and they still have not determined. A viable cause, well, a, a viable reason for the cause of death and who might be involved. There's still a lot of, a lot of suspects out there for this little crime drama. So it's enjoyable. I mean, you've heard me rip on, uh, licensed fiction before, mm-hmm. but I really like the Android verse. Yeah. It would have to be a really low, low, low bar for, for me to dislike an Android verse book, I think. Please don't go there. And then I found a podcast. It is new to me, but I think it's been around for about a year. It's called uh, the Black Tapes Podcast, and it is uh, audio drama style similar to We're Alive, mm-hmm. uh, only the premise is not zombies. It is uh, paranormal investigators. Hmm. It starts off like uh, this woman was going to interview people about their paranormal experiences, kind of uh, not quite Ghostbusters, but debunking. But then it turns into she, she meets a... Uh, one of the mains and he, he is the paranormal debunker, but he admits he has this whole series of tapes, these black tapes, black tape cases, uh, that he knows are fake because he knows the paranormal isn't real, but he just hasn't figured out how to debunk them yet. So where I'm up to just two or three eps in is, and they're only a half hour. So they go by pretty quick, just like, uh, we're alive is in the podcast internal narrative. She has gone from what she thought was just going to be a series of true. She supposes she works for like her world's version of NPR. This series of interviews, maybe about the paranormal. And she's now going to focus on these tapes that the, the debunker feels thoroughly are faked, but can't prove how. And it, I get the impression that it's going to go into full on paranormal activity, <laughs> but good. I hope. Um, as they try to uh, review these tapes and either see a common theme, well, they have found a common theme for one of them. And I think it'll either go kind of audio horror or get real bad real quick. So I'm hoping for the audio horror. Okay. That reminded me 
I meant to put it on here to talk about, uh, but real quick, our friends at Catalyst did send us a book that we need to take a look at. Yes, that's uh, true. Shadowrun Rigger. Uh, I have not gotten it to you because I haven't downloaded it yet either. <laughs> so Shadowrun, the Rigger book, I, I think it's just Shadowrun Rigger 2.0 or something like that, is going to, it's probably, it's either already on pre-order, it's going to be on pre-order very soon. Hopefully I will grab that and we can talk about it next episode because um, I'm right. looking forward to it. Again, Rigger is my favorite thing to play. So I, when Randall reached out, I was like, hell yeah, we'll take a look at it. Uh, I'll, I'll happily look you at a Rigger book. Rigger. Yeah. Um, so we will be looking at a Shadowrun uh, book here in the very near future that is, like I said, I think it could be on pre-order right now. I forgot to go check, uh, but I know it's coming up very soon if it's not already. Uh, let's see. Mike says uh, he's a little late to the game. He's, he's back and watching <laughs> second season of Gate for anime for second half of the season, whatever, started last week. Uh, great show to watch. Rory Mercury is the best. So he's watching some anime as well. There you go. Anime Don should be happy and proud. What we're playing slash nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Slash wishing we could play. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. What we're playing slash wish we could have played but didn't have time to play because we were playing these things that we played to review. Now, uh, sponsored by Zach C. Thank you very much, Zach, for sponsoring us over on Patreon. And uh, now we will talk about a few things that we're playing. I got a few things on my list here. Um, best Treehouse ever. We got quite a few plays in that over the holidays. The kids absolutely loved it. Uh, again, that's from Green Couch Games. That was a Kickstarter that we reviewed. Uh, the Kickstarter did very well. Uh, he's selling it over on Green Couch Games. We highly recommend it. We got a copy for a couple of our nieces and nephews for Christmas. Uh, when they opened it, the other nieces and nephews. Why know, didn't we get this? Yeah, we, we kind of screwed up. We actually taught it to the nieces and nephews earlier that we did not get it for, unfortunately. And then the weekend of Christmas, they were here for Christmas. And, you know, we'd already bought everything, wrapped everything, whatever. And they walked in the door and the first thing that they asked was, can we play, can we play a game? Which is awesome. All my nieces and nephews now are, can we play a game? Which is awesome. So they, when we're around, they kind of are happy to get rid of electronics for a while and play actual games. But they're like, can we play a game? Can we play that best treehouse ever game? And we're like, we may have made a mistake. <laughs> uh, and then of course, when, oh, what's uh, that? You like hot dogs? <laughs> okay. Here's broccoli. <laughs> Pretty much. And then so, and then of course we had our, we had our Christmas, uh, over New Year's weekend, uh, up north. So that's when the kids got to unwrap their gifts. And so the other nieces and nephews unwrapped best treehouse ever. And the other two are like, Oh, you're so lucky. That's like our favorite game ever. Like, and they're like, yeah, we screwed up. So we have to get them a copy. So birthdays are coming up. We'll have to get another copy, but that was, that's a game. That's, that's just an awesome game, especially if you, if you want to play it with kids. We've had a lot of fun with that. We played a lot of it here recently. Finally got to play Dixit. Megan and I were lukewarm to it. Her brother thinks it's the best game ever, which surprised both of us. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Uh, so I don't know if we just had it off night or whatever, but we, I mean, it's, it's okay. We were okay with it, but man, her brother just was like, every time he was, did you bring that game? <laughs> so, which surprised us because he's not really, you know, into games at all, really, you know, maybe some cards kind of thing. But well, you that, do have a hand of cards. 
Yes. So that that was cool though to you know have that. Birds of a feather. Megan and I played here very recently because we shot a video for it last night. Um, so at some point I will get that out. That one's uh, kind of back in the queue as well because there's a couple other things. Because that was a Kickstarter, but it's it's it was been fulfilled, successful. This is the final product. It's in stores and all that stuff now. I actually have a couple others to get out before that, including. By the way, sir. <laughs> Just to let you know, you're only going to make a small appearance in the Venom Assault video now. No. There was no sound when you and I were recording. Oh, really? So I went to edit it when I got back from holidays and it was just us miming. So, uh, <laughs> but I don't, ha- but by the time I f- figured that out, I'd already sent the game on to the next reviewer. So I don't have the box already. So in the, in the reshoot that I'm doing, I was like, I don't have a box or anything to show you, but I tell you what, let mime Jeff and Jordan show it to you. And I'm just going to clip us in showing the box. So that sucked, but I've re-recorded it and hopefully I'll get that out here soon since they've already launched. But, uh, Hey, if anybody, if you're listening and you're looking for an awesome co-op deck builder, Venom Assault is on Kickstarter right now. We absolutely loved that game. Uh, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to hear how much. Jordan and I both love that game together, unless you can read lips. Well, we can just say it right now. <laughs> we both loved it. Yeah, unless you can read lips. Uh, I, I can put out the, the raw no sound video. <laughs> um, all right, uh, moving on. Talked about it earlier, Splendor, the app. Been playing a lot of that. I got lucky I got it at $2.99. Uh, I think the normal price is $4.99. In fact, I know it is because Megan went to buy it. <laughs> it already went back up to $4.99 because she waited like two days too long, I think. Gotta get on that now. Uh, yeah. I really love the app. It's a great app. Um, there's some really good AI on it. You can play up to four players. You can choose the style or you can randomize the style of play that the, that the AI uses. It also has a challenge section, which some of those challenges are extremely difficult. And that's a lot of fun. I mean, so it's kind of like a puzzling out the game. You, you're given certain criteria you have to meet, like get X number of prestige points in you know, this many turns and, but you, and you only get this, this and this, and you can only have one while, you know, just whatever. And there's a bunch of them out there. So if you like the game, I, I do recommend the app. The app, I mean, I'm playing a lot of the app and it has a pass and play and all that stuff too. So that's how I, I taught it to Megan while you had our copy of Splendor teaching it to Sarah. I think the app is, is worth it. And then I'm playing Fallout 4 right now, uh, off and on. More off than on, but uh, that's that's what I'm playing. We got like 14 minutes. I'll go quick then. Uh, X-Wing, Attack Wing Star Trek. Taught uh, taught both of those over the holidays to different people. Played my first game of Frostgrave, which is a skirmish game, kind of like Mordheim, only it's not uh, dependent on a system. It's just a rule set, uh, so it's not dependent on a miniature line. So I was playing with Jordal, and he brought out a bunch of his... Uh, unpainted Reaper Bones stuff, not even based, uh, that he'd received as payment for something and never done anything with. And I brought a bunch of my Pathfinder and D&D minis uh, out of dust and, and had that as my warband. And it's a really fun game, really fast, really brutal. Uh, it's especially fast and brutal when you roll three successes for an entire game, which is what I did. I missed everything that I was going to do uh, the entire game. Uh, so I told him at the end of that game, I will admit that I lost because I lost very, I totally tabled, but I said, I'm not going to count that as a win for you because I did more to hurt myself than you did other than killing me. <laughs> uh, but it's a really solid little skirmish rule set. Uh, you can max out, I think, at 11, depending on what upgrades you take. Uh, it's, it, it's kind of a skirmishy game, 
but your your wizard he can increase in levels. Nobody else does, but your wizard does. And as you gain XP, you can buy stuff to better spells, um, more spell books, incre- or decrease your difficulty, stuff like that, or spend money on a bigger force. It's pretty solid. Put it on my Amazon wish list to see if my wife will get it for me for my anniversary. And it sounds like she's not going to. Um, <laughs> so I'll be buying that myself when I get a job. Um, and also playing a lot of Fallout 4. Yeah, I haven't had a lot of time to play it, but I've, I've enjoyed it so far. It's kind of funny because some of the, some of the more recent Fallouts, I haven't, I've, I have most of them, but I've only played like sporadically at best. And this is the first one I've actually kind of dug into mm-hmm. a bit more in, in quite a while. So that's been kind of interesting. Uh, let's see. Mike says, what? Dragon Age Inquisition. He's late to the party again, but he's addicted to that right now. Well, there we go, everybody. Well, Are ask the third chair? <laughs> I love it when Squeaky she squeaky toy, or uh, I love it when she bone. jumps up in the chair. Sometimes she'll jump up in your chair too if I'm <laughs> down here by myself or if I'm interviewing somebody. So that's always interesting. Hey, Chris, Chris piped in. He's uh, Viticulture, which has been a hit with everyone that he's introduced it to. Legend of the Five Rings and Ashes: Rise of the Phoenix Born what he's playing excellent i still we still have not played viticulture i've had it yeah had it and have not played it yet ashes is a really beautiful game that is a game worth looking at i mean literally just go stand beside somebody (laughs) playing it because it is beautiful to look at (laughs) it's pretty it is all right there you go uh mike and chris thanks for hanging us with us the entire time john you took off at some point but thanks for hanging out in mixler for a while with us as well uh, this will bring us to the end of our first episode recorded in 2016. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, I'm still behind. Like I said, I've got a couple of videos in the queue and of course other things that I'm involved in and also trying to keep my voiceover career afloat because <laughs> I got to pay for some of the classes and seminars that I've, <laughs> I've purchased here recently. So I'm still in the negative for a little while. Uh, but hopefully I can get caught up with that. Like, and gotta spend money to make money. Right. So to let everybody in just, Jordan almost had to stay out in the cold for a little while when he came over tonight because about 15 minutes or so before he was supposed to show up, I got a voiceover gig to go do real quick. So I came downstairs. I was in my booth. I uh, knocked it out. I edited it real quick, but I did not leave, which is probably, actually, it's not a mistake. I got the email that they paid me for it. So uh usually I always try to edit and listen at least once or twice before I submit it. And I was like, oh, and of course I ran upstairs and there was Jordan at the door. So luckily he had just got to the door, but uh, that, that's been a lot of, I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, my voiceover stuff. So always a blast to hear you guys. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you very much, Mike. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for again, hanging out with us. Thanks for coming back after we've been gone for a little while <laughs> and hopefully we appreciate the dedication. Yeah. Hopefully we're going to be back on track here for a while. Um, with that, I think we've got another episode wrapped up. So I'm Jeff King. And I remain the Canadian. Thanks for listening. Thank you for checking out United Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find Geeky Voyage, a geek and pop culture blog that explores a variety of fandoms and many pop culture favorites from film, television, music, and various other topics, with liberal doses of humor, quirky musings, and heavy fangirling thrown in. The United Geeks Network, 
you can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com. Oh,